0: This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled Danny Chauncey. It is the sixth message of the series, Do Something. Please enjoy.
1: So welcome to 12 Stone for the final week of Do Something. Now our culture has been consumed in the new cycle with the midterm elections and the like. And, but I know what would get our mind off politics, and what would take the new stage of the news cycle attention. And that is if the headlines, ready? Ready? If the headlines read, U.S. banks are forgiving everyone's debt, <laughs> along with credit card companies and the IRS. How many of you want to get some of that? I mean, you, like you're like, okay, hold on, hold on, that means my mortgage is now gone. No more mortgage debt, no more college debt. No more car debt. No more credit card debt. I owe the IRS nothing. Are you kidding me? I mean, wouldn't you be high-fiving everybody like, woo? That's a spiritual experience for a whole bunch of us. And that would, I'm telling you, that, that would take the attention of all streams of news. <laughs> ah, yeah, but we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so what's the point? Why talk about it? Because if we understood our debt, our sin debt before God, then Psalm 130 would become the top news story across the country. Here's what Psalm 130 says. Look at it. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. (laughs) But with you, there is what, everybody? Forgiveness, one more time. But with you, there is what, everybody? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. In other words, the heart of God is not to condemn us, but to forgive us. And that's where we're going today. And by the end of today, some of you are going to come to faith in Christ and be forgiven and be debt-free spiritually. Some of you are going to be baptized. We weren't even planning on it. It'll be a great celebration. So let's get at it. We've been talking about the Apostle Paul in this series and learning from from him, and that we've been putting a modern-day story alongside it. Today's modern-day story will will be a a rock-and-roll success. Who, Who got a new definition of success? So let's jump in, grab your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're on page 1160. Worship Center Bible uh, here at Central Campus is just right underneath your chair. Just pull out the Bible and turn over to page 1160. If you're on a mobile device, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, in the early part of this chapter, Paul's talking about our home in heaven, that God is going to build a place for us, that, that we have paradise coming if we're restored to God through Jesus. And that's fantastic. That's what we all want long for. let get back to the paradise. But then in verse 17, he goes on to reinforce how all this is possible. So let's look at verse 17. Follow along. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The new creation has come. We, we're made new. That's the beautiful thing. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And look at that next line. Not counting people's sins against them. There it is. Heart of God is not to condemn us. It's to forgive us. And he's committed to us, that is those who know him now, who've been forgiven, the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. That's who we are. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so Paul is telling us there's something you need to know and there's something you need to do. It's in your notes. Follow along. Here we go. There's something you need to know. Here's what you need to know. God put our wrong on Jesus to put us right with him. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. God put our wrong on Jesus to put us right with him. That's utterly amazing. But we tend to have our own view of this sin thing. We, we tend to think, well, sin's no big deal. I mean, I, over time, I'll just do enough good things and it'll balance off the bad things and then that's how I get in. <laughs> I can pay off my sin, so to speak, like finances. It'll take me a while, but I just pay it off and eventually I'll be fine. That's not that big a deal. That's a little bit of the disposition of our culture and this moment in a comedy show called The Good Place. I don't know if you're a fan of that. If you've seen that, it's gotten a little tension lately. It's a comedy about the afterlife. And and Ted Danson's character takes a a moment to describe what is often our cultural view of how you get to the good place with this good-bad. It's about a minute. It's very entertaining. Listen in.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to your first day in the afterlife. You were all, simply put, good people. But how do we know that you were good? How are we sure? During your time on Earth, every one of your actions had a positive or a negative value, depending on how much good or bad that action put into the universe. Every sandwich you ate, every time you bought a magazine, every single thing you did had an effect that rippled out over time and ultimately created some amount of good or bad. You know how some people pull into the breakdown lane when there's traffic and they think to themselves, ah, who cares, no one's watching. We were watching. Surprise. (laughs) Anyway, when your time on earth has ended, we calculate the total value of your life using our perfectly accurate measuring system. Only the people with the very highest scores, the true cream of the crop, get to come here to the good place. What happens to everyone else, you ask? Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very entertaining, and it tends to reflect
1: what our culture thinks. I'll just do a little bit of good, it'll balance it off. But Jesus came to give us the true picture that literally our sin separates us from God. And that means you're eternally separated from God. I mean, this is a big deal. Your soul's on the line. And that God in his love for us put our wrong, our sin on Jesus to make us right with God. That's why verse 21 that we just read from 2 Corinthians 5, it says, he who had no sin, that is Jesus, took our sin upon him. What does that mean? Well, Jesus, God's son, left heaven came to earth, so God became flesh, lived among us, and was without sin. He'd never sinned. Because he never sinned, he'd never die. I mean, the consequences of sin is death, both here in our relationship with God and eternally. This This is the terrifying truth. And that's where we are. But Jesus took our sin upon him, the wrong God put on him, meaning he said, well, I'll I'll, I'll carry that for you. And when he went to the cross and died, he died voluntarily to pay our sin debt so that we could be debt free in terms of our sin, spiritually debt free before the living God. I mean, that's mind blowing. If we understood this, if we understood this, we would run to him because that's how you become a new creation, a new what everybody Creation, you become a new creation. You're, you're like, the, you're righteous before God. You, you didn't do any of because God's not counting our sin against us. And people ask, well, hang on. I, I, if God really loved us like he said, I mean, how could, how could a loving God send people to hell? Well, he doesn't but you can send yourself. Let's be honest. If if all the banks said, we're going to forgive everyone's debt, but you have to apply for it. And you decide, I don't believe it. And then when the whole deal is done, you find out half the people around you are debt free. Listen, it isn't on the bank, it's on you. Because you didn't apply for it. So if you listen, if you reject Jesus, by the way, I'm okay with preach. That's good. That's good. Let it roll. Come on. We're on the we're on the best news. If the world understood this, this would be the most important headline story in all of our country. We're just not paying attention. We're not paying attention. This is the big story. God doesn't cast you in hell. God's not against you. He's for you. But you can condemn yourself by rejecting the only way to forgiveness, Jesus. And Paul says, man, this is what you need to know. God loves you so much, he'd forgive you. He made a way. God put the wrong on Jesus to make us right with him. Now, what do you do? And he talks to two groups. The first group he talks to are those who have been forgiven. And he said, you need to live sin. You need to what, everybody? Live sin. And in chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, I don't have time to read it, but he talks about we therefore no longer live for ourselves. What he's saying is that there is a movement in our lives. We move from live for self, which, which kind of is our fallen nature, and, and, and he moves us along that we might live sent In fact, I I put it this way in, in your notes, I've been saying it through the series, that we join, we love, and we tell. Say those three words with me. We join, we love, we tell. Do it again, everybody. We join, we love, we tell, which means we join Jesus. And really, we enjoy Jesus, and we build a relationship. He He reached out to us, we're restored to him, and we join Jesus. He doesn't join us over here. We don't add Jesus to a self-serving, self-centered life. We join Jesus, but then we love like, like, like Jesus loved people. That's part of what we were doing last week. I know it was radical, but it was right. We shut church down for a weekend in terms of gathering here, and, and we went out to the community to be the church. It's a powerful thing. And, and, and this right here is us you know, kind of demonstrating that the love of God in us is designed to flow through us. Not, we're not a, reser, a, a, a reservoir. It's not, We're not a cul-de-sac. It's not all in us. It moves through us. And, and when you love other people, like, like we did with Live Sent Sunday and great stories and powerful stuff, and that's the beginning, not the end, but it often leads to the very conversations that you can have with people. That is, you tell others about Jesus. Why? Because eternity is on the line. And, and, and we ha- listen, we have to reimagine. Let me talk to us. If, if, if across the campuses, if you're a 12-stone or follower of Christ, this is the group we're talking to. We have to reimagine who we are. We are ambassadors for Christ. As if God makes his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. That's God's plan. His vision is we're players in advancing the kingdom of God. We're like the newscasters. We take the news out. Just like Chelsea, a high schooler, who this past week from the Broussillon campus uh, left the high school ministry with a couple of friends she brought, in, and, and, and then that night called her youth pastor, Kyle, and said, Kyle, I got to tell you some news. And she FaceTimed him, and then one of the friends apparently was filming this, so we get to see the whole thing, got permission to play the story. It'll all make sense. Just check it out. Okay, Kyle. I was born ready.
2: Okay, I got to tell you something. So
0: we're in the racetrack parking lot after S12, and we get out of that my car to Ice. pump gas and to get slushies. And Marley and Kylie both Ice. look at me and tell me that they felt something tonight. And as crazy as it is, we just started talking. We've been here for 30 minutes. One thing led to another, and we just prayed for both of them to receive Christ right now in this oh moment. <laughs> That's the best news you could have called me with. Yeah. For
1: realsies. For realsies. <laughs> Look at this guy in his pink sweatshirt. He's losing his mind. Yay! That's awesome. Woo! so cool. So I have my babies here, my freshman babies, and they're so... Oh, my gosh. That's the most special moment I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. And that's special. I mean, that's just beautiful. Now, stay with stay with me on this. What if God's... What if that's God's vision of what should be normal? Meaning, people come to faith in Christ solely in four walls of a church building and it's got to be led by a pastor. What if the normal vision of God is that all of us are ambassadors? What if the live-sent vision is this? Listen, listen, what if this is what we have to reimagine? That every 12 stoner would have the chance to personally lead someone to Jesus. But I mean, what, what what if that's God's designed normal for us? Maybe sometime in the next five weeks, five months, or five years, but your whole intent is that the power of Christ is on me and in me. Stay with that it is the power of Christ that's on you and in you. And maybe we're missing something. Maybe, maybe we've pulled ourselves out of the game. We think, oh, no, no, I, 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 no, 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 God wouldn't use me that way. He used somebody else. That's for somebody else. That's not me. What if we've missed something in this? What if I've even contributed to that? What if, what if, we've, what if we've thought that it's all got to happen in here? And, and what, what, if, what if people are to come to Christ outside the walls? Let, let me just talk. I, I was in middle school. When I was in middle school, seventh, eighth grade, I wanted to join the basketball team. I love playing basketball, and something was happening to everybody around me that never happened to me. It's called a growth spurt. I was waiting for it. It just never came. So, when, so I, I was the shortest, and, and when I went out for basketball, here's kind of the coach's summary. Kevin, you weren't created for basketball. But he, but he said, won't you be the manager? I found out what that meant. It meant during the game, you sit on the bench, and then you wipe sweat off the floor. Oh, okay. What if some of us have decided, well, we're just benched. We weren't created to influence people for the kingdom of God. We've been silenced and we missed the whole point. What if half the people who come to faith in Jesus, that's supposed to happen outside the walls? What, what, if, what if that's supposed to happen at, at the racetrack parking lot, in, in, in the park, or, or over dinner, at a restaurant, in a coffee shop, on a business trip, in a conversation with a friend? See, what, what, if, what if God's saying, you got to reimagine? All along, I intended that you would be ambassadors. And what, what, if, what if that needs to be reshaped? What if we're part of people becoming new creations? What, listen, what if we embrace the vision that every one of us who know Christ could have the opportunity to lead someone to faith in Jesus because we know that eternity is on the line? See, that's a re-envisioning. That's a reimagining. That's a wake-up call. And I think God's stirring that deeply among us. Now, there's another what do you do? Because Paul's talking to both groups. He says, Now there's a group of you who've never said yes to Jesus. And what, what do you do? That's right there in your notes. Number two, the second, what do you do? Is get right with God. That's it. Just simple to the point. Get right with God. That's why he said in verse 20 of the scripture we just read be reconciled to God. We were all meant to be in relationship with God, our heavenly Father. Listen, you were designed by him and you were designed for him this estrangement that you and I have with God, that you have with God and you've been living in, is, is deeply costly to your life. It, you weren't meant for that distance with God. And so what happens is we kind of lose sight. and We feel, well, there's no God. I'm here by accident. It's just a material world when you die. Nothing else happens. I don't have a soul. I, what, and so then, of course, what are you going to do? You're going to live for, for pleasure. You're going to live for material success. You're, you're going to live for yourself. I mean, you're just, you're just going to live for lesser things. And that's where Danny Chauncey found himself in the early part of his career, dreaming of rock and roll. So I want you to meet Danny.
2: Check it out. Being in a big rock band was huge. I mean, when I was growing up, that was everything that was success to me, you know. And then I got there and I felt like, you know, you're a mess, you know, it's not matching up. When I was, you know, 21, or maybe even earlier, maybe 20, I started playing professional gigs around San Francisco. Uh, And then I joined this one band that was on its way to getting a record deal. So we got a record deal, and I thought, you know, I'd made it, and everything was going to be cool. And then, of course, we got dropped. The record didn't do anything. And then got to another band, same thing. Um, But in that band, they were very focused on songwriting. So I was interested and learned a lot from them. They were already... Into you know the, the craft of writing songs, and I, I remember one day we're at rehearsal and I had this song idea and I I brought it in and and they're like ooh that's great so it, we we started you know uh, messing with it and I knew a- after we'd written it that it was special because I remember playing it back and just getting all super emotional about it because it was just such a cool thing. And the bass player in that band was friends with Eddie Money And would play him everything that we ever wrote You know, we got signed to Capitol Records Because of that song too So our option was to record it first Which we did, and it did alright You know, it made it to 60 or something On the, you
0: know, but whatever
2: I was like, I thought that was pretty cool uh, But then when Eddie recorded it Then it was like in the top 10 And that was way cooler Hoping that I get it right. And so when I Want to Go Back became a hit for Eddie Money, I got a pretty good check, and I thought, wow, I think maybe this is probably the time to just hang out the clubs and and just you know, focus on songwriting. That seems to be the the door that's opening for me right now. And within days of making that decision, I got a phone call from the other guitar player in 38 Special uh, saying, hey, you know, we're looking for a guitar player. You want to come out to Atlanta? And, you know, so Needless to say, I, I jumped at the chance and threw out the I'm not gonna perform anymore for a while. That sort of went on the back burner. So it was a great like couple of weeks, you know, having I wanna go back, go into the top 10, and then, uh, you know, getting asked to join 38 was, was really cool.
1: And that is cool. And if you're a fan of rock and roll, then you heard the 38 special in the guitar brilliance and gifting of Danny Chauncey. So we sat down with Danny and said, tell us, tell, tell us about your journey to music success. And along the way, he also told us about his journey of faith. Listen in, it's a good story.
2: 38 was a whole new opportunity to party and stay up late. So I was doing a lot of that, and I had a a girlfriend. She and I thought it might be a good idea to have a child in our wisdom. So we did, predictably, someone who was as self-centered as me. Relationships don't survive self-centeredness. So we split up, but we stayed friends and tried to make the best family situation for Olivia. We could. Her mom was seeking God, and of course, obviously we didn't stay together very long, but uh, her mom became a Christian, and she had discovered 12 stones. So for every you know, Christmas and Easter and all that stuff, the whole family would go, and that's when I would sort of tag along and, you know, reluctantly. But my daughter became increasingly sort of concerned about where I was gonna be spending eternity and she would say you know daddy how come you're not going to church the hurt in her eyes was like from a father's standpoint was pretty it's like what are you doing you know why you know your kids begging you to you know, do something different she's frightened you know, and i just i just told her said so, well from now on every sunday that i'm home i will i promise you i'll, I'll go to church and 12 Stone is where I was obviously going to go because the band was smoking and Chris Morgan was rocking, you know. And as a musician, that really it was attractive to me. And it was like that first Sunday after making that commitment, saying yes to that, I heard PK say something and it just, it just kind of messed with me. At the time, I was working out with a trainer. So I show up to my next training session, you know, all ready to talk to Alex and... There's PK standing there talking to Alex. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And so Alex introduced me to PK, and I'm like, hey, man, you know, I, I go to 12 Stone, and, you know, PK, just as only PK can do, looked at me and goes, ah, oh, well, if you've been going to 12 Stone for a while, then, then how come I don't know you? I'm like, oh, okay. Well, because I show up, you know, on holidays and stuff like that. And pretty much sit in the back and try and get out as soon as I can. Maybe he saw it in my eyes that I was curious enough to accept an invitation, for sure, to come play in the worship band, which I loved, right? Like Who would turn that down? So um, he put me in contact with Chris Morgan. The first question out of Chris's mouth was, "Well, wh- where are you faith-wise before you, you know, play with the worship team?" He just wanted to have a few conversations about that. You know, I'm like, "Oh, shoot!" <laughs> but anyway, you know, he was like. Sometimes you just gotta, you know, take the leap. You're just gonna have to trust. You're gonna have to just get off the couch and take the first step forward because if you sit around thinking about it and trying to intellectualize it and, you know, freak out about it, you know, you're gonna do what you've been doing your whole life, which is added up to what, you know? um, Because by then, the music success was clear to me. It was not the thing. So I just said, I'm just gonna suspend disbelief and I am going to follow and I'm gonna forget about everything I think I know and open my heart to something new. I basically tried everything else. I mean, I've gone all the way down the road. I'm not partying. I'm doing all these good things. Why, there's something huge missing still, you know? I can't even tell you how many times I sat in the chairs at 12 stone, feeling like now, you know, stand up, go, you know, and, but I would also be too embarrassed and I really don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, it's like, it's just a weird, was a weird thing. I was very comfortable, but, you know, finally doing that, you know, saying yes was huge for me in my life. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, what a, what a strong
1: story. And, and he finally said yes to Christ. And that, and that was a huge thing. I mean, that's what changed his life. Yes, it's a beautiful thing when, when you get made debt-free before God. When your sin is wiped out, you didn't even do anything to get it. You just applied. You're like, all right, if you're willing to do that for me, I'll receive that. Part of what I love is Danny's just down-to-earth honesty. Man, I tried everything. I bet he did. I mean, I tried the party, and I, I, I chased pleasure. I mean, I did life my way. I, I got success. I, I got levels of fame and levels of fortune. I mean, I did that. And then, and then I, that was empty, and something's missing, and I, and I changed, and I tried to do good. And even in trying to do good on my own efforts, still something was missing. Maybe that just causes you to wonder, do you, Do you have the courage of that kind of honesty with yourself? I mean, just right here, right now. God probably set up this story for you. Danny talking to you about his journey, and, and it's awakening things in you. Do you have the courage to be as honest with yourself as Danny did? They discovered that, that God put our wrong on Jesus to put us right with him, and now is the moment to get right with God. Danny said yes. He's like, I man, I finally at some point had to get out of the chair. I did, like, had to get out of my seat, like sitting right where you are. I had to get out of my seat and, and, and come forward, so to speak, to, to just get out of myself and, and act on the invitation of God. And kind of like the, the high school girls, you know, in the racetrack parking lot. That was the moment, yes to God. How do you say that yes to God? Well, it kind of looks like a, a, a prayer similar to what Danny offered to God. Here, here's an example of it. Heavenly Father, forgive my sin through the sacrifice of Jesus. Restore my broken relationship with you. Make me a new creation as I believe in and receive Jesus. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name, amen. See, that's all the stuff God did for you. And you're just applying to receive his forgiveness. You're surrendering. You say, finally, yes, it's no longer going to be about me. It's going to be about you. I mean, Danny finally got out of the chair, probably the most courageous, manliest thing Danny ever did. Men, today is for you. Young men, middle-aged, old men, wherever you are on the journey. Ladies, wives, moms, this day is for you. Students, this is your racetrack parking lot moment. Middle school, high school, college, we I mean, get This is your moment. What are you going to do with the invitation of God? You can be debt-free. <laughs> Mind-blowing. And we're going to do more than that today. Today, we're going to do what we call open baptism. It's going to be an invitation to not only say yes to Jesus, but to be baptized. Well, what is it? Why, why, why would we even do that? Well, the very first time this, this invitation from God, this offer to be forgiven, was ever stated when the church launched, ever taught, it was by the apostle. And, and, and when Peter spoke, everybody asked, well, what, what do we do? And here's what he said. This is from Acts 2. Peter replied, repent. There's the first thing. Repent and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent. Very, that's kind of what the prayer we just looked at means. It, you're repenting. You're surrendering, trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Then baptized. What What does that mean for the forgiveness of sin? What, what is that whole repent, baptized thing? A baptism is a a sacred symbolism. It's like this outward expression of the inward work God is doing. So the water is symbolism. The water symbolizes cleansing. So that being cleansed, forgiven, made debt-free regarding your sin before God. So you're like made whole new creation. So then as you lay back in the water, this is symbolic of dying. To yourself, dying to sin, and then you come out of the water, and that's celebration of resurrecting, if you will, symbolically to new life. So this is this new creation that God is doing in you, and you're thinking, well, we ain't going to be baptized today. I didn't plan on it. Good news is we prepared for you. So we've got a towel for you, and we got a change of some clothes, and you might not look as good on the way home, but you will feel better. You will have the better experience. You'll be a new creation. That's beautiful. That's powerful. So we prepared for you. So we're going to have that moment together today, and it's going to be a crazy cool celebration. I mean, you're like, well, I'm not going to do that. And yet the Spirit of God is waking you up and drawing you. In fact, maybe you've come to Christ recently, and you've never, you haven't been baptized yet. And he's saying, this is your moment of obedience. Well, here's the good news. I love as Danny continued to talk in the interview that, that this isn't the end. When you say yes to Jesus, it's not, well, that's it, and you just wait for heaven. No, God transforms. He changes you from the inside out. You grow from self-centered to God-centered. You, you experience fulfillment in life at a whole new level. See, next week we're going to launch a series, Buy Happy, B-U-Y, Happy. How do, you, how do you find happiness in this world? A whole bunch of us are looking. It's hard to find. Can you buy it? Can you buy happy? How, how do you get happy in real fulfillment? Oh, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be transformed. It's going to be marking. It starts next week. But the point is, Danny found this new fulfillment in life over what was missing. And it came as he met Kelly, just a dear friend, follower of Christ, and, and, and they got married, and she, and she was doing something good, and she invited Danny into it. And this is part of how God continued to transform Danny. Listen in.
2: My wife, Kelly, was, had a small group at 12 Stone, and they were hosting a Christmas party at Phillips State Prison for this group, and they're called the Lifer's Group. And at the last minute, she invited me to come along, and gosh, I got in there and you know sat down, and in, in the prison they have their own worship band, like I said, and these guys were playing on just, I mean, bargain, basement equipment, you know, it's like three guys plugged into a little amplifier about this big. But the quality of their worship was undoing. When when God wants you to get out of your seat, if we're all being honest, we can kind of feel the tap. We can feel that push, that little thing. Oh, maybe I could. And it's like, whether you're going to say yes or you're going to go, uh, no, I'm more comfortable. Kind of. Thing. Well, this time I said yes, and I went talked to the warden and said, you know, I'd like to help out somehow. And he asked me if I would like to come in and just hang with the guys, you know, when they practice, go in and practice with them. And so I did, and... Of course, Chris was my first phone call about that. I was like, man, these guys have no equipment. You know, what can we do? Can we round up some stuff and, you know, help them out? Because anything would help at that point in time. And, of course, Chris said yes. After serving in there for a little bit, they, the warden secretary, who was also a 12-stoner, was very cool, called and said, well, they're going to give you a night if you want it. You want a, like a, your own night at the, at the prison? You could do a 12 stone video service because at the time we were, we had Hamilton Mill I think was the only other campus but there, that was the video connection, right? And that just was like being, of course, that's what we'll do. We'll come in with a worship team and give them the same experience that I had. So I, I made a few phone calls. Can we do a video service? Can we bring in the equipment and show something Well, yeah, sure. You know, it's a big get off the couch moment and, and do something moment. When you know you're doing something that the spirit is behind, there is no denying that Your steps become so much easier. they just like, instead of where you'd be dredging, going, doing something, it's like, you just you feel lighter and the doors start opening. And I'll never forget the first service in the prison. It was just fantastic. We partnered as a worship team with the worship team that was in the prison. Uh, and it was just, it was just, it was a great night. So how cool is that? Danny's playing guitar. Yeah, he's playing guitar for,
1: in front of thousands of fans. And, and, and then another, another day, he's playing guitar in, in a prison. And, and, and demonstrating that, you know what? God is transforming changing me. And, and God's using me to help change the lives of others. To communicate, even in that environment, hey, you guys matter to God. You really do. And in that, he offered a final word in the interview, which is sort of his way of saying, you know what? I had one definition of success in life, and God transformed. He changed. He gave me a new
2: definition of success.
1: It's a good word. Listen.
2: When I... Found what I thought was going to be success Uh, when I was, you know, fortunate enough to have music success and a hit song on the radio and playing in a hit band and playing concerts and stuff like that. uh, There was something pretty profound still missing. Um, I didn't feel so successful, you know, inside for sure. Um, I mean, and now you know, I look back, it makes sense because there are. Tons of wealthy people out there that you know end up doing themselves in you know and and just are are miserable people and there's people without stuff like the guys in prison who have the most important thing that they'll ever have in their lives which is a relationship with Jesus Christ and they get it you know Um, so I think for me the most profound change in me since I've become a Christian was that my definition of success has radically changed. I think in my life, it's being able to love someone else without concern for the thing that's, maybe that I'd rather do and be more comfortable with, but be able to set those things aside and and really focus on what you know might benefit somebody else. Um, I learned that in my marriage. It's a process. You know, you don't get changed overnight. But God re- reveals those things to you as, as you chase him. And I had a lot of things to be revealed.
1: Yeah, don't you want to just say thank you, Danny, for sharing your story with us? And that's it. I mean, there, there you have it. God does not desire to condemn us. God desires to forgive us. And he put our wrong on Jesus to make us right with him. And then we sit in moments like this, seats like Danny was sitting right in this room, just like you are. And on more than one occasion, he had a sense of God drawing him, inviting him. He goes, man, I don't know if I can do that. And he's, at some moment, you got to get out of your seat, say yes to God. It'll be the most transforming moment of your life. This is going to be your racetrack moment. Whether you're in middle school, high school, college, married, single, doesn't matter where you are in life. So we're going to have that moment. What do you do? Huh? We're going to invite you to get up out of your seat. And you come forward. You're going to pick up this card. And, and, and this card is, just carries on the back of it the, the very prayer that we just read. You all, you're offering that prayer to him. That's a prayer of repentance. And a reminder on the other side that you become a new creation. There's spot for you to sign your name. Datum is cool. This, this becomes your day. I know it, it, it sounds crazy because following that, we're going to invite you to be baptized right here, right down your street Close. You're like, man, it doesn't even make sense. It's okay. We prepared for you. So, so we got the towel, and, and, and you'll be able to go change clothes in the, in the bathroom. We, we got some shorts and shirts, and, you know, hey, you may fall in love with that. You'll look good going home. I don't know if you look good or better than you did when you got here, but you're, you're going to be celebrating. This is a great moment in the kingdom of God, and you didn't prepare, but we prepared for you. And, man, maybe for decency, you're like, I can't. I didn't come dressed. We'll put a T-shirt over here, and that, that'll let you be baptized and, and just go on. And, and now there's an, there's another group. Listen. There, there are hundreds of people who come to Christ in the last couple of months, during the August series, and, and you've, you've never been baptized. Well, this, this is your moment. And you don't need to pray about it. If you said yes to Jesus, you haven't been baptized, you just, you just get to come get baptized. There's no excuse, kind of all set up for you. If you, if you happen to be a, 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 a younger kid and, and you're in this service and you weren't children today, you're sitting here and the Spirit of God's waking stuff up, and you, you can come to faith in Jesus We'll 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 set up a time for you to be baptized later so we can take you through a class. I mean, I came to faith in Jesus at nine, it was real, it was life-changing. Got baptized later when I understood the weight of it. You're a middle schooler, you come to faith, your parents agree, man, get baptized today, that's awesome. High schoolers, college on up. This is a significant moment before God. So, what are you gonna do with the offer of God? Man, I just love the advice, this authentic courage of Danny, get up out of your seat. This is your racetrack moment. So I'm going to turn the this over to the campus pastors. And we're going to invite you to become a new creation. And that's right here in the room. So band will come and set up. And we'll take a moment to, to kind of get ready for all this. But I know what goes on. rate right, Your heart starts pounding out of your chest. You're you're just aware that that this is a moment for you to say yes to God. So I'm going to have us stand together in the room. Why don't we all stand? We're going to get ready for this moment, and we're going to invite you to step out. Say yes to Jesus. He's been drawing you for weeks, for months, maybe for years. Men, it's your moment. Say yes to God. And by the way, if... Ladies, men, if, if you said yes to Jesus, if you hadn't been baptized, well, then this is no excuse. You just come. You're going to come forward right here. They're going to put a table here for, for all of us. And you, you'll just come right up here. I'll be standing here and you just walk by the table. And you pick up a card and, and then you walk to the left or the right of the stage and they'll help walk you around and get you set up. They'll, they'll help you walk through the, the, the card. If this is your time to say yes to Jesus, and if you've said, yes, Jesus, you haven't been baptized, it matters. Listen, this is, a, it matters that you go public. And what's going to happen in the baptism is you just get asked two questions. Do you trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin? Yes. Do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. That's it. It's just two questions you aren't talking. Then you'll be baptized and you come out of the water and it's crazy and it's cool. It's a celebration. So bow your heads. Let me pray with you. God, right now there are numbers, probably more people than we know among us who've never said yes to you. Might even be quite religious. Some pretending they're already Christians and followers of you and deep in their soul, they know they've not surrendered to you. This is a big day for some men, for some women, for some students. I pray for them, God, that they'd have the courage of Danny to get out of their seat and say yes to you. They sense it. They know in their spirit this is their moment. This is their racetrack. There are others who've said yes to you, God, and they're holding it quiet and private never been baptized, never come before you, never celebrated the moment of he is my Lord, he is my Savior. And something in them right now is saying, "Whew, I don't know if I can do that. And you're drawing them, you're calling them. This is a big deal today. So crazy it is, it is, God, this is so cool. I pray for the courage. And today we get to celebrate new creation in you. In Christ's name, amen.